Hello, I'm Jo Lloyd, and this is Pet Place, the podcast series for all animal lovers. In the last episode, we were in the stables, and today we're all about the garden and the great outdoors. Pet Place. We are going to discuss something really lovely today. We're looking at ways in which we can help wildlife during winter. So let's start off by introducing my guests on today's podcast. So I'm going to start off with you, Phil. My name's Phil Kent and I work for CJ Wildlife. Um, And I love my wildlife in the gardens. Um, I'm I'm a big animal lover as well. In fact, I'd probably be a farmer if I could. Um, But yeah, that's that's me. I'm, I'm Phil from CJ Wildlife. I'm Mark Pittman. I work for Wildlife World. We're based in uh, Tetbury in the Cotswolds and uh, we make wildlife habitats. And similar to Phil, I've got a lot of animals at home, including 60 sheep that we have acquired over the years. So a bit of a small holding going on. I'm Karen. I manage the wild bird department at Pet Place and I have a keen interest in wild bird feeding. Uh, And part of my job I love is being able to try out all the different types of feeders and feed to see what works. I have so many questions for all of you today. It's going to be a really interesting podcast because I think most of us um, during lockdown, if we've been lucky to have some outside space, have realised how important it is, uh, not only for our own well-being, but for the well-being of nature. And really, I think a lot of people have embraced that and discovered how lovely it is to invite more nature into our gardens. So I have invested in a in a bird feeder and I think because I'm now embracing it so much and loving my outdoor space, I've become a bit of a twitcher and um, I, I love how I can feed these birds and see so many different varieties come to the bird feeder. But should I continue to feed these birds during the winter? Yeah, absolutely. You should keep feeding them over the winter. It, you know, it's a tough time of year. It can get cold. Uh, birds need that energy, so it's really important to keep uh, keep feeding, and really important also just to keep your bird feeders clean. I think that's maybe we'll come to that later, but that's a that's a real tip to you know, good hygiene is essential through the winter months. So, Phil, if um, for instance, if you're just getting started on buying your first uh, bird feeding station or, or or a bird table, what's the best food to choose for birds? Okay, well. You want some high energy foods, so um, peanut cakes, uh, peanut butter for birds and fat balls. They're all going to appeal to all garden birds and will help people attract lots of species onto your patch. So fats and proteins are probably the most important food for birds as they need the energy to thrive. And they're also low cost, convenient, and it doesn't, you know, you don't need probably a feeder for those type of things. So just to get you into it, that's great. Another thing is sunflower hearts. They're a great option because they're a universal favourite with all the garden birds and they can be fed from a feeder. So you said about peanut butter for birds. Do they go crazy over those? <laughs> yeah, that's one that always gets a raised eyebrow. As people started to realise that bread wasn't the best option for your birds, they started to pop out jars of peanut butter instead. Unfortunately, the jars are made for, for humans. I've got a lot of salt in them. So we made these... Um, peanut butter jars just for birds and the birds absolutely love it so we now make one here in the UK specifically for the birds using high quality peanut flour and it's not only safe but it's really nutritious for the birds as well. Karen do you have that kind of thing in store at the moment? We do and I have to say it smells delicious (laughs) you can take the lid off and just smell them oh yeah lovely 
<laughs> quite tempting to just dip your finger in <laughs> but yeah i have them in my garden um and i you can feed them you can put them out in several ways so we sell specific holders to actually put the jars inside or you can literally just place it on a tabletop and the birds will perch perch on the rim and have a nibble from inside and even better you can get them in loads of different flavors so there's a there's a sort of standard original peanut butter but then you can also get ones with insects in with mealworms so our garden birds are very lucky <laughs> that's that's amazing that's definitely going on my shopping list um so phil when should we be feeding our, our garden birds uh, is there a time of you know do we do we replenish at night or do we go out first thing in the morning what month is better than any other month well you should be feeding birds now all year round so there's not a particular season when you should be feeding more. It should be it be all year round. Um, the birds will dictate when you're going to put more food in. Obviously, so if it's like me, I have about six feeders, and they can be gone within a few days. So um, I'd feed them when it's convenient for me when I finish work or whatever. And that's that's normally fine. Um, birds need food first thing in the morning, first and, and, and last thing at night. So you know, all year round feeding. Every every season's a challenge really for garden birds. And, and having them know where the constant supply of supplementary food is, you know, it's 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 a lifesaver for them. So in the spring and the summer, they need, you know, protein for laying eggs and, 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 and they're young. And in the autumn and winter, your garden birds need to build up their fat reserves um, just to make sure they can get through the coldest of nights. Um, Mark, do you think that as certain types of bird feed that attract certain birds, maybe if you are looking to attract a different uh, type of bird to your garden should we focus on a certain feed for instance well i think you'll certainly get different types of birds on the feeders and it will depend on the style of feeder as to as to what will feed on it um i've got quite small feeders in our garden so we get a lot of smaller birds blue tits robins the occasional nuthatch um buzzing around and we get them here at, at the offices as well we you know, some of the larger birds can be a problem and can take uh, food from the smaller birds. So we tend to use these smaller feeders that these small sort of vulnerable birds can, you know, get a lot of food and energy from. Well, that's a good point, actually. Karen, um, I'm sure there's lots of different types of feeders that you have in store. I have the problem that I'm putting the fat balls out and they're, they're going in um, a kind of open tray basket. Is that the wrong thing that they should be in? Um, I wouldn't say wrong. It depends what <laughs> depends what you're up against in the garden. So if you have squirrels, squirrels are a bit marmitey, really. Some <laughs> some people love them and welcome them because they're part of the the wildlife, all the different types of wildlife in the garden. But uh, others are less keen. <laughs> so we sell, yeah, we we sell all different types of feeders. You can get some that have um, yeah, they're they're called squirrel proof. Um, and they, you know, they'll have a sort of mesh around them. But I wouldn't say any type of feed is wrong. It depends what you... Um, I, yeah, it's quite individual to the garden and what sort of pests or um, things you're up against, really. Don't you think it's becoming quite a fashion thing as well about be, about the certain look of the, the bird feeders? It's, it's, oh, that doesn't go with my garden, so I'll just go with something else. And actually, it doesn't actually suit your environment because like you say, there's a lot of squirrels. I've got a particular squirrel that has just in the last week decided to make my garden his home. And um, I've also got magpies, which ugh, magpies seem to just swoop in on the fat balls a lot and just steal them. Um, so the poor, poor other smaller birds don't get a look in um and I, that's why i'm thinking am i 
is my design wrong? Well, they've got great big beaks, magpies. So yeah, they take these huge chunks out of your fat balls because I have the same problem with crows. Um, and I have to admit, all my feeders now are designed to um, deter those larger birds. Um, not because I don't love them, but I'm not rich and I can't keep putting out all this food, you know, all, all of the time. But yeah, it's, it's brilliant because there's so much choice um, nowadays in terms of feed and the different types of feeder. Yeah. Phil, have you got anything to say on that? I mean, you know, is there any top tips you think that could stop these um, larger birds or even I think I do think the squirrel's being a bit cheeky. I think he's he's popping in and just stealing the fat balls. Uh, have you come across that yourself? Yeah, I mean, if you've got squirrel problems, it may be a problem to some people, but if you've got squirrels, then you need you do need to have a, um, a guardian, they call it. So you can have a guardian, uh, it's a metal cage, and you can put your fat balls inside there, and that will stop, you know, only small birds will be able to get through that. So top tip is to get yourself a guardian. Okay, I'm loving that. I'm writing all these top tips down. Now, it's, it seems to have been a bit quiet at my bird feeding station during during September. Have they all gone on holiday or, or are they just fussy or have they found a better garden? No, no, it's actually quite usual for this time of year. It, it actually used to be called the October Gap, but as the seasons have shifted, it now it does occur in September around the harvest time because birds will always go for natural food probably before feeders. So for a few weeks every year, when you know the hedgerows are full of ripe berries and things like that, they will just disappear for a few weeks, they'll va- vacate the field. So, But they will be back, that's the most important thing, they will be back and they will return um, at, the, at, at the busiest time of the year for the feeders. So it's really important to keep everything stocked up, ready for their return. Is there a special location that um, maybe the, the feeder should be positioned, uh, you know, that suits birds more? Is it is it nearer to a fence? Is it, uh, you know, a quieter corner, leafy area maybe, Phil? Have you have you any, any top tips on that? Yeah, if, if you've got feeders close to your windows where you are, then generally they they will take a lot longer to go there. They they want to be right out the way in a corner somewhere, you know, where there's some bushes and some natural, some trees even better. Um, yeah, so in a quiet spot in the garden's best. Karen, should I provide water as well as the food? Absolutely, especially during winter. Um, yeah, because birds need to bathe and drink every day. So, um, you know, in freezing weather, they're... The normal water sources will freeze over. So yes, if you've got a bird bath or even a you know an upturned sort of bin lid, um, if needs be, fill with water. And a good tip is to put something like um, a floating ball. I, I put a ping pong ball on, so it just keeps keeps the surface water just moving with a bit of wind, and it helps to stop it from freezing over. Um, so the birds can drink every day. But what about the water and shelter? Uh, is that something we need to consider as well, Karen? Yeah, so shelter, I mean, you, you can put up nest boxes now. Um, it's a good time to do it because nesting season is generally March um, through to about August. So now would be a good time to clean out uh, your old nest boxes because there'll be old material in there. Um, make sure they're hygienic, ready for spring or indeed put up new ones. So placement and type does depend really on the type of birds you want to attract. But ideally somewhere, I think generally we advise northeast facing. So they're away from the prevailing wind, um, out of direct sun, um, away from, you know, winter wet coming in. 
and and, and then you, yes it depends what types of birds so um tit species will want a sort of smaller sized entrance hole whereas um robins tend to use a more of an open face nest box but yeah the, as well as using it for nesting it's a great place for them to just feel safe to provide shelter over winter um, moving away from just birds in our garden, uh, Mark, what um, what else will, are we likely to see in our gardens in the in the terms of winter wildlife? Well, if I think of, of just what I've seen in my own garden in the last few weeks, we had a bit of a, a lull through the summer with hedgehogs and, and didn't see the ones that we had earlier in the season. We've started seeing and hearing them again, and they're scuffling around looking for somewhere to hibernate over the winter. We, we seem to have had a bit of a... a I wouldn't say quite a plague of frogs in the garden, but my new puppy has been finding all sorts of frogs and things hopping around. Uh, so there's all sorts of wildlife that's, that's scratching around looking for somewhere to shelter or you know, needing a bit of cover and a bit of help. And, and hedgehogs, you know, can't, can't stress enough, they're a, you know, they're, they're a species at, at risk um, and we could do an awful lot to help them you know, in, in overwintering and getting ready for breeding next year. So how can we attract hedgehogs into our gardens then? There are species that, that will travel around, so they won't necessarily stay in your garden, but you can do a lot of things to attract them. You can put a hedgehog house out now because they're going to start looking for somewhere to hibernate. Um, and we've actually got about three in our garden, and we know that the hedgehogs move around between them through the season. But leaving sort of leaf piles and, and foliage in the garden, I think you know, the advice I give very often to people is, is be a bit untidy in the garden. Don't, don't cut back all the, the foliage, all the dried, all the herbaceous plants that are drying back. You know, leave, leave a bit of shelter for some of these creatures to, to hide in. Keep, as we've already said, put, put water out. So it's not just birds that need water. It's, it's bees, insects, hedgehogs. They all need a water source um, over the winter. And keep, keep putting feed out. Hedgehogs will be active for a, around a month or so at the very least. So keep putting food out. Um, and you should start to see them, you know, they, they should sort of come to the garden and feed quite regularly. The ones we had, certainly, you can kind of tell from the markings on them that they're, they're, they're the, the same one that comes back every night. Um, and then they go off for you know, a few days somewhere else and one of our neighbours feeds them and then they come back. So yeah, they'll be they'll be looking for somewhere to shelter. I mean, that's fascinating. I suppose you could put little cameras outside, night cams, and and watch them move around. There's millions of cameras out there now that that people use, and and we our, our social media feed is is very active with it. Um, and yeah, people love it. They love seeing what's going on. They they even give their hedgehogs names. Um, you know, it's it's a fascinating thing to see them, and terrific when you you see your hedgehog and then you see the babies coming. It's it's just lovely. That's just too cute. I did put a. Um, you mentioned cameras. I had to, I have put a camera out, and um, it's fascinating because at night the the leftover feed from the from the feeders that's on the floor, you get the little field mice coming out, uh, <laughs> gobbling all that up. So, yeah, it's fascinating. You know, it's not just the mice, as you said, Karen. You know, we we had foxes. Um, clearing up the food you know, for a few evenings and it's just fascinating to watch them. It's amazing, isn't it, what goes on in our gardens at night. Um, with, with the thought of hedgehogs, I mean, we've been, been talking all summer about, you know, bee houses, bee hotels, B&Bs, if you like, and now we're looking at hedgehog houses. I mean, they're fascinating. Is that something that you stock, Karen? Yes, we do. Yeah, we've got a good range. Um, so they come in all different types of shape and sizes and materials um, and budgets. Um, yeah, so there's something for everybody. Amazing. Phil, have you in, indulged in a hedgehog house? <laughs> do you know what? I haven't got a hedgehog house, but I have got hedgehogs. 
Um, they, I have feeders at the front and it's onto a farmer's field. So they would come through. This was about half past nine uh, every other night. And there was one hedgehog that would come to the bottom of the feeders and get any little, any little, little tidbits, basically. Um, and then a bit later on, there was two hedgehogs. So, yeah, we had them at the front of ours as well, but underneath the feeders. Oh, that's amazing. That's adorable. Um, Karen, so I'm, I'm wandering in. I want a hedgehog house. Where would you suggest the best place for me to place it in my garden? And, and I know we've discussed feed already, Mark, but Karen, is there something that you stock that we could just put in to get us started if this is, you know, we're completely new to this? Yes, we sell lots of different hedgehog um, food. It's um, it, it seems to be growing in popularity all the time, which is fantastic. Regarding siting Emma House, I think as Mark said, it's if you leave your garden a little bit untidy, perfect. They don't need it to be clinical, as nice as that can look, but somewhere where they feel safe, so perhaps more sheltered, um, out of the worst of the weather, again, out of direct sun, um, preferably lit near a leaf pile so they've got a, a, a good natural food source source with worms and things as well and will they um will they sleep there for a long time mark are they are they uh, creatures of of um of habit will they come back to that area they, they certainly would i mean they'll obviously they'll hibernate over the winter through the summer months they'll move around the garden or you know they can travel up to two kilometers a night so they'll travel around to different houses and they tend to spend two or three nights perhaps in one house and then move on but yeah, once you've got them hibernating and, and staying over, then there's no reason why they won't come back every year. Do they have a nesting kind of season, uh, a kind of uh, a season where they would start to, you know, create the families and, and they'll be in your garden doing that? Is there a season for them? So they'll be looking to, to hibernate from about the end of October, finding somewhere to, to stay. And then you should see them emerge around March. And, you know, obviously the... <laughs> bonfire night in November we're always told you know to be really careful of the bonfires and things because you might disturb a hibernating hedgehog you know that's really critical they'll be they'll be settling up for the winter and that's the last thing we want to do is disturb or hurt them but yeah around March April you'll see them come out and then the breeding season will start and if you've ever heard hedgehogs mating in the garden it's quite a sound to to hear uh, quite entertaining the first time you hear it uh, they can be quite noisy but uh, yeah, around sort of April, May, that will start. And then you might even be lucky enough. I haven't seen the babies for perhaps two or three years now, but you might be lucky enough to see them around sort of July time. That is just amazing. Are they are they very timid? I mean, you know, you often see that, you know, they get scared, they curl up into the ball. But are they timid to other creatures around? Um, for instance, our domestic pets. Do our cats and dogs worry them? Well, we've got a cat and three dogs, and the the cat doesn't seem to worry about them at all. The puppy's quite inquisitive. Um, we had an older dog a few years back that did did try to pick one up and only did it the once. Um, but they, as you say, they turn, they curl themselves into a ball. That's their protection. And uh, I've been out you know, quite a few evenings and seen them, and and they don't seem to be too too worried particularly by us they just curl up or or run away i mean that's just adorable isn't it if there's ever a, a, a need to get a camera i think i think winter autumn is incredible in our gardens we just need to look for it and know know how to care for all of this incredible wildlife that's around us and i think we're all more aware now that we're using our gardens more and it's it used to be as a thing of spring summer you're out you're, you're potting your plants you're having a barbecue and then winter you never go into your garden now there's every excuse 
uh, every reason rather to go out and just embrace our gardens isn't there absolutely and i think what's so exciting about it is the it's almost unlimited you know the, the visitors you can get whether it's wild birds wildlife hedgehogs there's you don't know what you what you might see you might um get something wonderful like a woodpecker you know that you've never had before or you know a tiny little gold crest i got really excited about it having seen it in the hedge no, haven't haven't seen it since just the once but um Yes, I think I might be turning into a twitcher as well. I am totally one. I've got a book and everything and a little pair of binoculars. That's how obsessed I've just turned into that. That's just in my little garden. But yeah, I just got like a favourite robin. Obviously, it's not the same robin. It's just robins that come into the garden. But I, I absolutely love it. And if, wow, if I saw a woodpecker, I don't know what I'd do, honestly. I'd, I'd just lose it. I'd be like, whoa, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> Phil, rare birds then in your garden. Seen anything? Rare birds. Well, at the start of the season, a great, great spotted woodpecker. Um, then we've seen jays, which aren't so rare, but, you, you know, you don't get them a lot on the feeders. Um, yeah, um, and finches. I'm a bit of a finch. There's lots of finches where I am, so we have green finches, tons of gold finches. Um, but my favourite, if I can see it, is the bullfinch, which is a very rare finch to see. So it's nice if you see them. They have a really bright red breast. Um yeah, so bullfinch. What about you, Mark? I suppose the th- the, it's, it's not exactly a, a bird that we feed, but the thing that does got quite excite me, I, I live on the edge of Salisbury Plain and we've got some kites nesting uh, fairly close to us and every so often they come over the garden and that's just fascinating to see them swirling around in the thermals um, and flying quite low over the garden. Yeah, that's just beautiful. We've got a lot of buzzards as well, but the kites are... are yeah, getting a little bit more prolific. That's just beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, Karen, any other top tips for as we're coming into the colder months? Um, anything else we're likely to see? Uh, anything else that, you know, if if we're coming into store for the first time, you can give us loads of advice. What, what What's the sort of, if I'm a novice to my garden, I'm like, well, what do I start with? Do I go for the hedgehog house? Do I just, you know, set up a, a, a feeding station? Start small or just go all in? Um, good question. There's that. There's such a variety of feeds and feeders. Um, and to be honest, even if you don't have a garden, even if you're in a flat, if you've got a window, we sell window feeders. So they just have you know little suction cups. Um, so you you can put seed in, you can put peanuts in, and yeah, the birds do come. I think as Phil said earlier, yeah, if you're if you're right up close to the window, it might be a bit frightening for them at first. But you know, if you if you sat down inside and you haven't moved for a while, they'll they will come right up to the window. See, there's something for everybody. And in your garden, you mentioned um, a feeding station. That's a great idea because it's got a number of different arms. So you can hook on a seed feeder, a peanut feeder. You can feed suet and fat balls. Um, so there's a huge variety then, uh, as well as a water dish many of them have. So it's it's an all-in-one sort of banquet. <laughs> it, 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 honestly, it's like a running buffet in my garden. It really is. <laughs> I've got everything there. Except peanut butter. Phil, I'm on it. I'm on it, honestly. I think if I had to pick one feed for me personally that seems to attract, all the birds seem to love it. Um, At the minute, it would be sunflower hearts. There's a a huge following, uh, yeah, certainly in my garden. It's a trend. 
definitely. Any more advice from all of you? I'm going to start with you, Mark. Any any last words of advice to embrace wildlife and care and be a bit more knowledgeable and be you know be, be aware and not do the wrong thing, I guess, um, which I think a lot of us are, fr- are frightened, aren't we? We've talked about feeding. We've talked about putting out you know, houses and habitats, but I think you can, you can put plants out as well. It's a great time of year still to get to a garden centre and put out some plants that will attract wildlife still through the winter and into spring. So whether you can plant a tree like a crab apple or a hawthorn that's going to give you flower and then berries you know, later in the season or some herbaceous plants, a sedum, a rudbeckia, an enemies, so things like that. The, the wildlife will, will thank you for it. Um, and it provides that bit of protection for them over the winter. Yeah, the most important probably consideration should be quality. So really try to buy the best that you can afford and look for value for money. So, you know, your seed eaters such as your sparrows and your finches love food that consists of the sunflower hearts. Insect eaters like a robin prefer mealworms. And the tip family um, will eat both. They'll eat seeds and, and insects. So pop up some feeders, but also feed from a bird table and scatter seeds on the ground. And you'll see your garden eatery fully booked up most days. Yeah, I think just, yeah, as has been said, really, for winter wild bird feeding and wildlife, um, high energy foods are best. Um, things like sunflower hearts, good suet products, suet cakes and things. Yeah, brilliant. And peanut butter. Of course. I'm onto it. The jars of peanut. I'm going to see what happens. Thank you all. This has been so amazing and um, really knowledgeable. And, you know, if you're just starting off and you're a little bit concerned about going in the right direction, there's nothing more lovely than seeing your garden full of wildlife. And, to, and it's just a small thing that we do. And th- th- they remember, don't they? They they know that that garden's going to have a supply of, of lovely tasty treats so the birds will come in time won't they yeah uh, thank you very much all of you it's been absolutely wonderful thank you, thank you. great to talk to you thank you, thank you. thanks again to all three of my fabulous guests Phil Kent Mark Pittman and Karen Bates that's it for another episode see you next time on the Pet Place podcast don't forget you can get more information and advice from the official website farmandpetplace.co.uk 